I'll tell you, God usually, way before Rick has him sick or tells me, God will lay a whole message on my heart and says, okay, here you go. And before, 20 years ago, I would just think, oh, that's kind of nice. Well, now I get up and write it down because I know if it happens shortly after that, he's going to make me have to say what he told me in my awake dream type state whenever God talks to me. Um, I think maybe that is when I'm the quietest, maybe, for him to speak to me. And so I could write it down, but this is different. Because here's an advent that Rick really liked. And so here are the scriptures that Rick really liked. And kind of an outline that Rick really liked. <laughs> given to me. And I'm thinking, how in the world is this meant? This is new for me. And not always is new, fun, and exciting. How many of you guys like new? Okay, so Miss Taylor, who's young enough, still likes the newness of things popping up. The rest of us, we have a bigger tendency to have issues with, we just want to keep on swimming, keep on swimming. We don't want anything to get in front of us. We want to know where we're going. We know how to get there. I go this way. Have you ever tried to go some a different way to work? <laughs> it will mess your whole day up until you get to go the right way. Because we get set in a pattern. And we are used to it and we like it. But that's the way the people of Israel were. They might not have liked the big picture that they were living. But they were just constant, constant. They knew where they were going. Kind of. They knew what they did every day. They had lots of jobs to do, and they could be really busy doing their jobs. And they got used to doing their job. But God had something new for them. And when God has something new for you, sometimes it's really hard because you don't automatically just jump and say, Woohoo! I get to do something new! No? That makes us uncomfortable. And we're kind of, mm -hmm. Well, who? I get to do something new today, not enjoying this. And then instead of having eyes to see the excitement of the newness, Kind of bring this brightly pants with this that says, We'll just be better if we get in this ditch that a ditch is really good for its intended purpose, but if you end up in that ditch because you went off the road. It's not a good place to be. And it's really hard to get out of that ditch. Well, how does all of this fit? I have no idea, but that's what I'm supposed to say. It says, 
Our, our title is The Kingdom of Heaven is Near. The Kingdom of Heaven is Near. Who said that? You are right, John the Baptist. And our scriptures is Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. If you guys will all stand for the reading of the word, old-fashioned, but that is me. In those days, and most all my scripture verses will be through the New Living Translation. It works best off my tongue. So, uh, ahead of you, that's where this is. In those days, John the Baptist came to Judean. The Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Elijah was speaking about John when he said, He is the voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel's hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. People from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sin, he baptized them in the Jordan River. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed. You war who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented for your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown in the fire. I baptize you with water, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not worthy of even to be his slave and to carry the sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready for, to separate the shaft from the wheat with his willowing fork and he will clean up the threshing area, gather the wheat into his barns, but burn the shaft in never-ending fire. Father God, please open these words to us in a new way. Help them to give us the strength to do what you've called us to do. In your name, Jesus, amen. So, John the Baptist... He was part of our Christmas story, part of the Advent season. And we find out about him even before he was ever born. So we know he was Jesus' cousin. 
because his mother Elizabeth was pregnant and Elizabeth was old. I'm sure glad that he's not so quick to give all of us old people babies anymore because that would really make me a little crazy. But for these women who were barren and that was their whole life focus, what a blessing it was to give them a child. And not only a child, but John, this child. In Luke chapter 1, verse 41, it says, At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So John, even before he was born, was directing his mother towards God. Even before he was born, the Holy Spirit was with him. Even before he was born, Mary and Elizabeth were blessed by John to point them in the way to God. Even before he was born. And John was foretold in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40, it talked about John. And in the scripture it said, Isaiah was speaking about John when he said these words from Isaiah chapter 40, starting with verse 3. Listen, it's the voice someone, uh, the voice of someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. So they talked about he was coming and he had a job. Now, John was foretold and has, was given a job, but the job wasn't just for John. Each and every one of us can pick up John's job because it is a job that we need to be. We need to also be that voice in the desert, or not desert, wilderness. There's a little bit of a difference. So, Let's take a quick look at where the truth of today is takes place. The wilderness. What do you think about when it says the wilderness? What are some of the pictures that come in your mind? Bears. Very Bears? Is that what you said? Barren and desolate. Barren and desolate. Oh. <laughs> She has bears in her barren. The wilderness is beautiful and isolated. Is it a place that we would like sign up to go to? No. Yes. Richard saying yes. I think I would too. I would never have thought that before. But to me, when I think of wilderness, there are two different places 
the picture that pops in my mind. One of them is Southern California, are down where the desert is and the Joshua trees. Mm -hmm. And the, that is more like the wilderness that I envision would have been in Jesus' day. Kind of those mountains, little mountains that are around there and that desert. Hardly any place to drink. Hardly anything that you can do. You're just there alone and you're stuck. And then the other wilderness that pops in my mind is the wildness of Alaska. It has water everywhere and big critters that would just like to eat you for dinner because you're the other white meat. But in both of those places, I was able to go out and just be by myself, protected in my truck, and be able to hear God's voice. One of the things that I have trouble with is there's too many pieces of buildings around me and too many people in my house. For me to be alone. Therefore, I need to get in my car and go out and be by myself. Now, in Alaska, that was easy. Two minutes. I was surrounded by nothing man-made. Except maybe the road that brought me in. And I could be there for hours without another human coming by. Way easier to just be able to throw the life away and concentrate on God, put praise music on, and spend some time with him, not only telling him my needs and my wants, but just sitting there waiting for him to give me pictures of what he had for me next. I need to know what he has for me next. And I'm not comfortable when he says nothing for next. When he says, you just need to stay faithful with what I told you last. I'm getting a little tired of the last. I want a little faithfulness. I want a little newness. Not too much, God. Just the touch. The wilderness was where God sent so he could talk to them. Moses, where did he go? To the wilderness. In fact, it said the mountain of God was just past the wilderness, on the far edge of the wilderness. So he had to go through the entire wilderness to find the mountain of God. John the Baptist, he's in the wilderness. A lot of the old prophets, all that stuff took place in the wilderness. God had to, and knew, he had to move people from where they're comfy into the wilderness because otherwise we're not listening to him. Because we have everybody else's noise going on in our ears. And we miss what he has for us to do. So, Exodus chapter 3 was the wilderness where Moses went. 
Um, but it wasn't just everybody else that did it. It was also, you find in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, where that says, Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness to pray. So it wasn't just for those people. It was even for Jesus. Now, if it took Jesus going to the wilderness to hear God, shouldn't that tell us that we need to do it too? Mark chapter 1, 12. The Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness. And he was there for 40 days. Kind of like the 40 years the people of Israel wandered in the wilderness. Some people tie those two together. Um, it is interesting that it was not just a quick trip. And it wasn't a quick trip for Moses. And it's not a quick trip for John the Baptist. The wilderness was where they were called to go and to listen and to learn and then to put something into practice. So John's message was radical then, and it still is. I'll tell you what, look at the news, and they'll tell you we're radical now. Repent of your sin and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. You want to be unpopular? All you got to do is call sin, sin. You want to be unpopular? That's all it takes. Have you felt that sin? It's sin. John the Baptist, he was very, I'm not going to say popular, but yes, popular. So John the Baptist, when he's out there saying, he was the voice in the wilderness, prepare the way for the coming king. It's not complicated. Hey, you're sinning. Stop. That was his message. You're sinning. Stop. That's our message. Many people did turn towards God and were baptized. John's ministry exploded. It was huge. But not all came with a pure heart. We see on verse 7 as it said, But when he saw the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. You brood of snakes. He exclaimed, Who warned you to repent of your sins and turn to God? Don't just say to each other, We're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. For that means nothing. I tell you that God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. You're nothing special. 
rock is as important to you and to God as you are if what you are doing is being your viper? Now, for all of us here, those words should make us pause. They should make us just stop. And here's the reason why. Who are they to? The church leaders. The church leaders who have gotten so off from the path of which God called them to do. The rocks are as important to them. I'm telling you, every one of them probably felt very justified in the feelings that they were feeling. Everybody could give you chapter and verse of why the actions that they were would be correct. We have to be really tactful. That we don't accidentally get snared into the vision that we have of what God's person should look like and the vision of who God called. Let's take a little picture of who these people were that made a huge impact that we read about from our life and their truths. John. John was a wild man. Can you see John in your head? Wild, wearing camel skin. He's bigger than life. He is not a wimp. Let's look at Moses. How any wimpiness there? David? How about the wimpiness of David? Nope. How about Peter? How about Paul? How about Saul? Absolutely none of them. God called people. Who made a difference? But how many times do we hear now? Oh, that's too much emotion. Pastors can't, can't talk like that. They can't have opinions. Oh, a pastor cannot, cannot raise his voice at all, no matter what. Jesus did. He took a whip. He took a whip whenever it needed to be done. You think John in here says, Oh, you guys are snakes. <laughs> oh, um, he told you that you, you might go to hell. Oh, wait, that's not what he said. No way. Do you think God changed all he is? That who he chose to be his messenger would change? Because now, we want to neuter our pastors so that they are not of the character in which, I don't know what else word to use. So I think that's the famous word I can use. God doesn't want you or I to be neutered either. He created us who we are. 
Now, can we be truthful, forceful, and kind? Yes, we can. Can we be truthful and kind and carry a hard line? That's who John was. And the people of their day, yay, John! Well, except for those who said, I don't believe he said that about me. Let's just chop his head off. I can't believe he had the nerve to say I was sinning. I don't care if I'm the king or the wife. That's what I want, his head on the plate. And, chop chop, there went John the Baptist. As he walked the earth, but not his ministry, and not who he taught, he is still teaching us. And he's still here to encourage us. Maybe encourage us to be a little more wild, a little more free, a little more open, and a whole lot more brave when we're sharing the truth about the one who's coming behind us. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with John. It is somebody who I'm not even worth. I'm not even good enough to carry his stinking shoes. That's who I am in this creature. I don't want anyone looking at me. I want you to see through me to see who's coming. I want you to follow my finger. I want you to go there. I want my kids and my grandkids to go there. I want the little girl who has been abused in so many ways that nobody in this room can imagine to have somebody who cares about her enough to leave her there and stay with her and speak the truth of this is not okay. It's not God's plan for you and it is not his plan for life. It would be a whole lot worse if I just cooed and caught at her and said, yeah, when you get, when you get to heaven and you've lived this way your whole life, God's not going to judge you because you were hurt. Nowhere does it say that. God says, He takes you where you are and He's turning you where you're going. And He's going to give you everything you need to get there. Absolutely everything. And for us, we are the leaders. We are the leaders who are supposed to be the rope guys. On a dark road, what do we do? We don't say, stop, here, I can help you. We don't do that. We just help them slow down enough that they can go where they need to turn. I'm not their answer. But I am a guide to help them get where they're supposed to be going.
And sometimes you need to quit worrying about what you're dressed in and what you're eating. And you need to just do what God tells you to do, no matter what. So, my encouragement for you this Christmas season is what's next. Advent is a time of looking forward to what's coming next. So, you, me, we need to ask God, what is our next thing? We need to ask Him, what do I need to change so that I will be able to see you and be used by you for that next thing? Who do I need to smooth their path to help them get closer to you? This being a Christian isn't, I've served my time, now I get to rest. <coughs> done that. I did that in the church, didn't work. I've done that. What do we do? How do we help? Who do we give encouragement to? Every day we have a choice to be a blessing to the to this hurting and broken world, or to keep quiet. I'm not going to interfere in that. Interfere. I know the truth, but I'm not going there. I'm pretty sure there will be claws. It's gonna. I'm gonna have to leave some skin behind if I go there. You have skin in the game. <clears throat> Jesus did. This was ripped off of his body with whips. We can't we can't help him turn if we don't speak love to him. And the words that John used are the same ones for us. Repent. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is near. It is near. You do not know if everyone will turn to here next week. We do not know how close the kingdom of heaven is for some of those that we saw yesterday or will see tomorrow. We do not know the future, but we do know this. John baptized with water. That's what we baptize with. But the one who's coming and is coming again baptizes with fire and the Holy Spirit. And he is what we need. It is good to be baptized with water. I'm not saying it's not. <laughs> but it's only the vision and the goodness of what is coming next, the Holy Spirit, that matters. My last thought My last thought 
Please go ahead. How many in this room feel so insignificant in who you are that you don't have the confidence to share who God is? Our self-picture of who we are affects how we are able to be used. Moses, John, Elijah, all those prophets, Paul, Peter, Saul. Why it took men and women of that caliber and that personality was because the normal people of that day and age would hide back instead of being out there. They would not bother to speak because they don't see themselves as somebody worthy to be spoke to speak God's truth. And we have got to change that. If God could tell you right now your work, it would be worth more than the largest bill of money that you could ever find. Your work is way more than any kind of money. He owns it all. Your work. And if you see that, that God has given you these things for you to share with others, have your strength to stand up and be strong. Don't apologize for your truth. Give it. Don't apologize for your love. Give it. You don't have to be mean. Do it kindly. That's what Jesus did. Somebody sinning, Never once did he ever raise his voice or a hand or condemnation for a single person who was singing. Sinning. Not a single one. He treated them with love and kindness. Every single one. The only time that he got his temper up or however you want to say it was the church leaders who were saying, this is what I'm doing in your name. Uh-uh. No, you are not. That was where he got upset. He got upset at those who said they were doing what he said to do, but weren't. He's not afraid of our sin. And we shouldn't be afraid that he sees our sin. He already saw it. Quit hiding it. It doesn't work that way. He knows. John did not live a perfect life, but he lived a purposeful life. We need to not be afraid of our wilderness. We need to not be afraid of being hemmed in anymore, of having to figure out where we are, of having to spread out, because that is when God can use us, and that is when we know we're at the end of our rope and God's got to intervene here and take care of us, that's when we use ministry. So that's your encouragement of this week.
You don't have to find a skin to wear and a leather belt, but I have a leather belt on. You don't have to find locusts to eat. You can eat whatever you find. But I'm telling you, have the strength of John the Baptist to call sin, sin, and don't leave them in it. Help them get out. Father God, we thank you and we praise your name. 